We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking week 14 passing game matchups and getting a little self-indulgent with our main event lineup on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin. It's Thursday night, and we're starting hot, Dave. We've got a championship matchup over on uh, FFPC with one of our main event teams. Uh, we were the two seed, so we're in the big dance. But hey, man, we want to stack those stacks, and you know we got a chance to win. A league title here and Mr. Josh Jacobs with the early touchdown. So we're coming into the show feeling pretty good about our weekend momentum. We'll talk a little bit about of our uh, a few of our start sit dilemmas at the wide receiver and tight end positions and also talk about some notable players that maybe a little bit further down the decision list, you know, maybe more in that flex category that you ought to feel good about and some others on the flip side uh, that maybe you want to consider some alternatives. Um, Dave, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. Uh, it was exciting to have that Josh Jacobs touchdown nice and early. Already feeling good about his prospects for the week. Getting really, really pumped up about being able to sit back and take in what should be an exciting finals matchup for our team this week. And we got some some fun results coming out of the passing game matchup Raider this week. So all good stuff over here. All right, man. Well, um, let's let's just talk about our team for a minute, um, and then we'll get into the master list. You know, last week we had a dilemma between Debo Samuel and Deontay Johnson. Now, it didn't ultimately really matter. I think they were separated by less than two PPR last week. We went with Deontay just because we felt like the target volume was a little bit more solid, and then, you know, also, he still hasn't scored a touchdown all year. It, it's really, really crazy. You know, we talked a little bit about, hey, when is the correction game coming? And, I mean, he could end the year with two or three touchdowns, but in doing so, it would mean he had a pretty hot final month. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still feel like that's not a reason alone, you know, to start him, but I feel like that is going to 
make its way, uh, you know, onto the fantasy stat sheet at some point. So we've got another tough call, you know, between these two this week. Of course, the 49ers, you know, the big change at quarterback, you know, Debo's usage is, has really been pretty, pretty uh, unreliable, you know, at this point. And his production has, you know, really followed. If it, Dating back, Dave, to, to week seven, you know, which includes a bye week and a week where, you know, he did not play. You know, he actually only has scored more than 12 PPR twice. Uh, he has three games under 10 PPR. And he does have the 22-point outburst against Arizona, but this is not the same player that we even saw the first, you know, five weeks of the season where he was at least, you know, locked in as a high-end wide receiver three each week. So it's a different situation, you know, and with Deontay, of course, it's the you know lower ceiling on the, up until recently, the lower ceiling on the Steelers offense uh, in general and Deontay's own inefficiency. So maybe we should consult the passing game matchup Raider uh, to help us with this decision. Yeah. So there was a couple of factors last week, which I think still play into it here, which you outlined. Now, last week, we were a little bit more hesitant about Debo due to the fact that we didn't really know what to expect with Brock Purdy back there. We now have a little bit more information. This week, if we look in the passing game matchup, Raider Curtis, and I just uh, filter here to just San Francisco, I see Debo coming in with a 42, which is not great, but not awful. Uh, if we shift over and look at Pitt, you see our good friend Deontay Johnson down at a 33, mm. which is starting to get to the range where we really don't want players to be. Now, I think that one could make an argument for that these type of players, maybe the matchups don't matter as they do for others. Of course, with the way that they've been playing recently and in particular <laughs> this yeah, year. That's, that's the 2021 view. Yes. <laughs> On those players, Dave. Uh, yeah. So, okay. so where I'm going with that is if we just think about the uh, the defenses that they're facing. So you have Deontay yeah. facing off against Baltimore. And if we consult those thresholds that we've been looking at, you can see that Baltimore has been fairly favorable in terms of the number of wide receivers that they're allowing to go over 10 plus points. However, mm. they've been pretty challenging at every threshold beyond their Curtis. And in fact, they're only allowing top 48 wide receivers to score 12.1 points per game, making them one of the more challenging defenses overall for an okay. opposing wide receiver to face. And if we take a look at, um, excuse me, if we take a look at the Buccaneers here, and where they have, where they've been from a threshold perspective, they've actually been relatively close to how Baltimore has. So, honestly, if I'm using the passing game matchup Raider to try and break this tie, I can only give a small edge to Debo. Um, so, I think we're going to have to take in some of those factors. <laughs> but really, what uh, I think what we do here is we go over to the weekly GLSP. Right. Yeah, that's we, a, that's a good view. While, you, while you're pulling that up, you know, I'm going to consult the NFL Stat Explorer and just look like, you know, I, I appreciate that last view uh, you talked about in terms of thresholds against the opposing top 48. It is good to, to think about, you know, the context of how many players are producing against a, a given defense each week, not just the overall, uh, you know, production allowed to a specific position or, you know, the weekly high, which yep. those are the two things that, 
that I typically focus on in the static floor, but I appreciate that extra level of analysis there. You know, uh, going in reverse order of what you did, we'll stick with Debo here for a second. Um, San Francisco, you know, this is a, a very low point total game. It's risen a half a point, I think, on the implied um, point total. It's 37 and a half now with San Francisco being three and a half point home favorites and a team total of just 20.5. Um, and opposing wide receivers over the past five weeks, uh, they have allowed at least one wide receiver to post 11 and a half points in each of those contests. Just one, um, just one instance greater than 20 PPR is Cooper cup, uh, who hung a eight one twenty seven one line in one of his final performances of the season. And in every other week, they're kind of hovering between 11 and 16 points surrendered to the opposing top wide receiver. Uh, so, yeah, nothing, you know, really standing out there other than somebody will probably get there. It's just a little tough because, you know, we've got, you know, Ayuk in this picture as well. Let's hop over and use uh, this same tool for Deontay for a second uh, before you chime in with the GLSP. Because I, I think we might actually have to get to that tool to, to figure this out for us. I think we're, we're going to have to. And the as, thing is, Curtis, I don't know how much it's going to help. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This, this is one of those where, hey, hey we're going to have to test our metal because, yep. you know, hey, I'm looking at this Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. And thanks to the situation with Lamar Jackson, you know, this game also, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just crazy, man. Right. I mean, That's this the game thing. also yep. has like a game total under 37. Yep. It's yep. just, it's nuts. You can't make this stuff up. 36 and a half is a game total yep. and um you know very similar in each of the past five weeks uh an opposing wide receiver scored at least 10 and a half points so you know a couple instances where the weekly high score was a little below uh what we saw the bucks allowing but just one instance greater than 20 points and it was a zay jones um explosion a couple weeks ago uh, a line of 11 145 zero for 27 and a half but, you know, no real big themes there. You know, if I look at the types of receivers uh, that have produced against them, um, you know, they had uh, Evans, uh, Mike Evans and uh, Terrace Marshall uh, each eclipsed 10 points, you know, obviously bigger body, um, you know, more perimeter style wide receivers. But then you also see, you know, Zay Jones and Jerry Judy, very different type of receiver. And then, you know, Chris Olave, uh, another uh, style uh in his own regard. So, you know, really kind of noisy as I look at uh, where the production has come from and that, you know, probably aligns pretty well with what you had seen in the passing game matchup. Is there anything that we see in terms of a, a guy's floor being lower or ceiling being higher in the GLSP? So the only spot Curtis, where there's a difference, if you look at the distribution is in the bucket between five to 10 points, Debo Samuel actually has 46% of his distribution in there. Deontay Johnson has 38% in there. So we have an 8% mm. difference. So Debo has a bit more downside at every other threshold. The max separation is only 3%. So it's a very similar distribution, but you would say that Debo has a little bit more downside. Of course, the one thing that I might add into this context here though, is seeing as there really isn't coming out of the tools much of a difference that we can make for these guys, perhaps you start to think about the fact that, uh, you know, Deontay might see a little bit more volume, but D-Bokes could also get some usage as a rusher. Yeah, we're going to have to monitor the McCaffrey situation. His injury status is uh, questionable, not that that's, you know, abnormal for, for him. Yep. You know, it's really more the norm, uh, but it did flip 
uh, across uh, the, the balance of the week here. So, man, we're going to have to think a little bit more about this. Um, you know, we're McCaffrey to be ruled out or something that would make it easy for us, but I highly doubt we'll be, you know, we'll be in that situation. So I, I don't know, man, I just, I, I'm not a, you know, so, I'm not a gut, right. I'm not a gut player, but yeah. it's just like, I, I've just really had it. I've just really had it in my head that Deontay is going to have a week um, that hasn't come yet. And so like, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about it more offline. And so the listeners don't have to listen to us agonize, right. but well, that's in my head. So here's, here's my thought for the listeners, right? Ultimately what one has to realize here is that heading into this matchup, there isn't a clear option. And sometimes that's going to be the case. You can agonize over this, but honestly, more often than not, there's going to be a spread in this game that normally isn't going to make or break the week for you. Um, you know, the odds that this has a larger spread than four points probably isn't that great, especially because these guys historically in games like this have a very concentrated distribution. So we could agonize over this for years and years and years, but we're never going to find anything that confidently breaks the decision. Right. So sometimes you have to go <laughs> yeah. with just kind of yeah. the gut. So I would have no problem going with Deontay here. Um, we'll evaluate that as time moves along though this week. Yeah. So we've, we've got that situation. Um, that's really the only, you know, we, we can also, uh, we don't have to focus in on the wide receiver for this final flex here. You know, we may end up getting more clarity on Ken Walker's availability um, or, or we could even veer, a hard veer to Jeff Wilson, despite Raheem Moster coming back. Um, you know, so we have some other options for that final slot, but man, it's championship week, man. So we're going to find some conviction and we're going to end up feeling good about it. We're going to root our butts off uh, for that player. Absolutely. Um, the only other player I wanted to, well, th these aren't necessarily start sit situations, but maybe just quickly uh, tell me what we should expect for uh, Marquise Brown and Austin Hooper. Um, those are a couple of players that, you know, Hollywood kind of making his way back into our lineup and Hooper is going to start by default for us this week because of the Hayden Hurst injury and the Cole Komet buy. So sure. I'm curious to see what we see on him. Yep. So Marquise Brown uh, draws a matchup rating of 46 against okay. the Patriots this week. So that's pretty yeah. much middle of the road. If I take a yeah. look here quickly at some of the players that I expect Hollywood would be facing, um, and I might not even run through the names, but just high level. If I'm looking at the points per game that New England has given up in their secondary, there aren't any real players that Hollywood could pick on. But of course, with a player like him, you know, you're always a player or two away from him really breaking things off. So Man, good, good players have produced against the Patriots. I mean, yep. Jefferson and Diggs have just gone off big time the last couple of weeks. And Garrett Wilson also got about 18 points on him five weeks ago. So, you know, probably... Hopkins or or Hollywood will will get his uh, and maybe maybe both. Well, we'll find out Monday night. Yep. So then Austin Hooper comes in with a fifty five, hey. um, which is you know towards we'll the it. higher side <laughs> average. Yeah, man, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, yep. So okay. of course okay. they're facing off against Jacksonville, and then I guess the final note would be here: uh, tight ends from a threshold perspective against Jacksonville this year. Um, are doing well. Jacksonville has been one of the more favorable teams. They're allowing yeah. almost a full tight end each week to go over eight points and have been pretty favorable in comparison to other teams at all of the thresholds. Yeah, man, they've, they've been really kind over the past five weeks. They've been nice and loose. I like to, I like to see it. Um, 
they've allowed more receiving yards to the tight end position uh, than any other team over the past five weeks. And you, and maybe you're thinking, well, Curtis, they played Travis Kelsey, obviously. Yeah, but Kelsey only had 81 yards. This wasn't one of his huge games. They allowed Greg Dulcich to get 87, Foster Morrow, 42. Josh Oliver even posted 76. So, man, yeah, that coupled, that context coupled with what you're telling me about him having a slightly plus matchup in the Raider. Okay, if if we're going to be forced to, to stream Austin Hooper, seems like as good a week as any for that to happen. Yeah, definitely. that's enough about that's enough about our team. We're going to come back on Monday, tell everyone about our victory. Um, and that's going to be very <laughs> sweet. Let's get a drop and talk about some players that you've got highlighted tonight. Yeah, let's do it. So where we're going to start here, Curtis, is with Jerry Judy. Now, if I focus on all players this week, including including tight ends. Jerry Judy has the third most favorable matchup. You have Denver facing the Chiefs. Now, from a threshold perspective for wide receivers, uh, Kansas City has been one of the more favorable teams. 1.7 wide receivers per game going over 10. Top 48 wide receivers are uh, averaging 17 and a half. That's the in the top six in terms of favorability there. If you look at the particular players that Judy's likely to be lining up against, I think that you're probably going to see a lot of Lejarius Sneed. Now, Sneed hasn't really been, you know, like a sieve or anything, allowing 6.5 points per game on direct targets. And they don't really have a particular player that I would expect him to really pick on or many players in that defense other than maybe Josh Williams that are very susceptible on a points per direct target per game type of basis. But we do see receivers putting up solid games. When I think about what I saw for Jerry Judy and looking in the GLSP this week, it looks like it sets up for a nice game from him where you should get some production. I don't think that he might have as much upside as other players on your team, but you could probably feel pretty good if he is in your lineup that you're going to get some level of production. The interesting thing here is if you contrast him with Cortland Sutton and Sutton really not living up to what a lot of people would like to see over the course of the season, this is a very, very tough matchup for Cortland Sutton. So this is one of those interesting cases here where there's a big spread between two players on the same team. And we see that in multiple tools this week. Yeah. I'm not sure about Sutton's health either, man. Um, I don't think he's going to play. I think he's trending. I think he's trending worse as the week's gone on. It was a little bit more up in the air earlier in the week, but I think the latest notes are that Hammy's looking pretty ugly. So I think that that's, you know, even more, you know, that's, that's, that's more, I would say in, in, in favor for, for Judy there. Yep. So Jacoby Myers is a player we've talked about a number of times this year. Um, His matchup looks to be pretty darn favorable. Of course, he's been solid, so he should be in people's lineups no matter what. So we won't really dig into that. But he with a 65 draws the highest rating of the week. Chris Godwin coming off a solid game gets a rating of a 64. Tampa Bay facing San Francisco. This looks like a game that really sets up nicely for Godwin. San Francisco has been favorable across a number of thresholds. You can bank on him having a pretty solid game for you. When we start to get a little bit lower here on this list, we get to Nick Westbrook-Akine, who has a matchup rating of 60 this week in the Titans matchup with the Jaguars. And I think that this is a notable name 
because he also popped higher than you would expect. I actually think he might have had among wide receivers the largest delta between his average points per game this season and his 50th percentile GLSP. So if you're really struggling to find a player this week at the wide receiver spot on your team or probably the flex to put in, he is a guy that you probably are going to be able to get and could sub in fairly easily. Now, an interesting thing here, and of course it doesn't really apply particularly to him, but top 48 wide receivers are scoring 22.1 points against the Jaguars defense. That is the highest total for any team. Now, you're not going to expect Akine to be the guy that does it, but it talks to some degree <laughs> yeah. about you know the yeah. type of defense that it is. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, and may, maybe him him scoring well is just another way to kind of name drop Traylon um, here too, because I think he's got a pretty good rating here too. And you know, I'd, given, given the recent usage for the players, you know, I would expect you know Traylon maybe to have a nice week here. Yeah, so Traylon's at a fifty-two, uh, which is twenty-one this week among all players. A fifty-two is a score that's on the better side of average as far as this tool is concerned. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you're probably feeling decent about them. And then actually, when we were looking at streaming options, if you remember to Ryan Tannehill, it was a decent week for. So long-winded way of saying of players that might not always be in your roster, or if you're in a bind, Tennessee might be a place that you can go to fill some spots. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm, I'm liking it. Um, that's actually making me think of a dynasty lineup that I need to set. It's a must win. It's a, it's a win and I'm in situation for the playoffs. And I've got to decide between Ryan Tannehill and Russell Wilson. So kind of listening to this, thinking about <laughs> you know the relative scores of their receivers, thinking about those quarterbacks. I'm taking notes, man. Yes. So a team that is probably worth highlighting here is the Lions. And I see a number of their wide receivers scoring strongly this week from a rating perspective. The Ross top Hawkinson too. Oh, what? no, he's with the Vikings. Yeah, I he's with the Vikings fart. now. Yeah, Dang yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you got have, me. <laughs> you got me. You have DJ Chark with a matchup rating here of 60. Now, Chark is probably going to be facing Sullivan, Shelley, little bit of Peterson on the other side of the ball. And with the way that things score out for him, this is a matchup that he should be able to take advantage of here pretty nicely. Uh, in terms of points per game allowed on direct targets, you have um, Shelley at seven per game. You got Sullivan at 4.2, Peterson at 4.4. So those are actually uh, fairly, fairly impressive numbers. But just the thing is, the other players that he could play against in the secondary right when he's in other coverages not lining up across these guys is where there's a lot of opportunity for him to accrue his points so this looks like a good matchup for chark we also have uh josh reynolds and of course amon ross st brown scoring yeah. pretty highly in this one and I think that if you were to pop in and look at some of the recent games against Minnesota, you could probably oh, also yeah. ascertain yeah. why we're ending up here. Uh, and also, yeah, Curtis, if yeah. you look at the thresholds, Minnesota, uh, one of the most favorable teams at nearly everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've made a couple of lineup decisions based off of uh, receivers playing against this Viking secondary in the past couple of weeks, and I, I like that. I like that you brought up Chark, man. He was a wide receiver too, and against Jacksonville last week, you know, he's only been back a couple of weeks, and some, you know, he's out for a long time, you know, so it's easy to forget about players like that. Um, and there, you know, of course, there was some buzz about you know when will Jamison Williams be available the last couple of weeks. So it's, things it's kind of been a changing situation there in Detroit. So. I think that's a good name to highlight uh, for people looking for some points from an unexpected place. And also I should mention, you know, that Jared Goff is telling the beats, Dave, that he's playing the best football of his career, even better than when he was in LA. He definitely sounds like a guy who's angling to stay in Detroit for the long haul. Yeah. So, uh, I'm hoping that it works out because my Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo teams are going to need to rely on uh, Jared Goff this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely starting him. And uh, thankfully in a super flex uh, situation, no, no one QB uh, situations, thankfully. <laughs> so uh, I, another name too, which is kind of a deeper name to mention here would be Quez Watkins uh, for the Eagles. He and Devonta Smith mm. draw 54 and a 53. I would imagine, you know, Smith is going to be an easier decision for people to get into their lineups. But if we drill in a little bit here on who they're actually going to be facing uh, on, <coughs> excuse me, in New York secondary, there's a couple of players here uh, allowing a decent amount of points. The main one being Fabian Moreau, who's actually allowing over 11 points per game on direct targets. And um, I'm just looking here quickly to see who else I think is likely to, to draw coverage. Why are you looking that up? Yeah. The giants over the past five weeks, man, past five games for the giants, I should say number one in expected points against uh from the wide receiver position um and they are second in targets uh surrendered to the position over that time and sixth in receptions first in yak allowed second in air yards against so yeah i mean i think i think it's an interesting name you know if you're looking if you're looking for a situation where you'd be willing to to go a little bit further down the list in a team's depth chart for a player that's probably not going to command significant target share this is like this is the type of game environment um, and the type of matchup where you could talk yourself in to like, hey, I got no other good options. At least you know maybe Quez has you know a, a ceiling game in him with a long touchdown and maybe two other you know shorter receptions. Like I think I can sell myself on that narrative. That's a good name to pull out. 
Yeah, definitely. So I think the other player that you might see one of them getting some coverage on uh, from is Darnay Holmes, who hasn't been terrible. Uh, but this is another one of those cases where you have a team that has been becoming a more favorable option for opposing wide receivers to face. Given the alignment, it's looking like there's some runway there for Watkins to be a surprise player. So I think you could look at him as a fill-in. As I continue looking down the list, Curtis, there's not a lot of players that have high ratings that you wouldn't have been thinking about playing. I'll just list off a couple of guys that uh, should be in your lineup that score well. Josh Palmer with a 51. Christian Kirk with a 59. DeAndre Carter, who maybe you have to turn to, has a 50 in the Chargers game against the Dolphins. You know, it's easy to tell yourself how this could be a fairly high-scoring game, one that, uh, you know, lends itself well to somebody like Carter being able to put in a decent performance for your team. Unfortunately now, Curtis, it's time that we turn our attention toward players that do not score strongly this week. Now, we already Gabe. talked... <laughs> Davis. Yeah, man. The Jets. <laughs> the Jets, man. They are becoming a team that you do not want to have your wide receivers facing at all this year. Under, yeah, man, they're saucy. They're yeah. saucy. Yeah, they, I like the pun. They really are there. I mean, just 0.7 wide receivers per game going over 10 points. Top 48 wide receivers putting up just 11.8 points against the Jets. As a result, man, you have Gabe Davis coming in with a matchup rating here of a 22. You have Diggs at a 24. Isaiah Hodgins for Buffalo at a 25. Isaiah McKenzie at a 33. You're playing Diggs, obviously, no matter what, but... Yeah. Gabe Davis, it's it's kind of hard to think that there might not be other players on teams that are in the mix this year that might be interested in looking elsewhere. Uh, if we think about who Davis is likely to face, there's a couple of guys, but the one that I'm honing in on here uh, would be you're probably going to have Davis getting a decent amount of coverage from Sauce Gardner, who you mentioned, and probably DJ Reed. Now, from a points allowed perspective, DJ Reed allowing 7.2 per game. Uh, you have Gardner at just 3.8. And then Michael Carter, too, who might mix in, is at just 3.3. Yeah. Kind of highlights. The, yep, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, in the, um, this is the second... Uh, matchup between these two squads this year they did play each other back in week nine um gabe davis five targets two receptions 33 yards zero touchdowns 5.3 yep. uh ppr uh yeah 5.3 ppr um just one of four instances of fewer than 10 ppr across his past six games yes so another name that uh you know, we mentioned a couple of times positively over the last couple of episodes. You have Darius Slayton facing off against the Eagles defense. And this is actually going to be a pretty unfavorable matchup. We know that Philadelphia has been pretty solid. Um, less than one wide receiver per game going over 10. Only 
0.3 wide receivers per game going over 15 top 48 wide receivers going for just 13.2 against this defense and with a matchup rating um, of just, I forget what I said it was. Let me pull that up again with a matchup rating. Yeah. I've just 30, you know, not a great outlook for Slayton this week. That said, it's going to depend on the context of your team because he has been trending very well, should be heavily involved. Uh, I'm not saying he needs to be on the bench, but I can imagine that on some teams, right? You're going to be thinking about it. Um, there's a couple other names here that we got to call out too. Unfortunately for Amari Cooper, uh, he has a matchup rating of a 23. Donovan Peoples-Jones has a matchup rating of 25. As you and I talked about before we started recording, Deshaun Watson, very ugly last week. Donovan Peoples-Jones, probably not a name that you can turn toward. Amari Cooper, I'm going to assume should still be in lineups, but let's see if you have any thoughts on that. I mean... You know, there's a lot of competing narratives here. Like, you know, Deshaun just objectively sucked. Like, you know, he's rusty. I, I don't, I mean, it was, okay. Uh, off the football field stuff aside, it was fun to think about, hey, how could he perform against Houston, his former team? Like the revenge, I don't know, I guess revenge game narrative, Houston being bad, you know, but you know, Houston actually hasn't been that great of a matchup for, you know, opposing quarterbacks. Yeah. You can you know, do whatever you want on the ground against them. And, but I mean, Deshaun just looked terrible. I mean, throw after throw, three yards short of the receiver's feet, even um, wasn't even like sailing the ball. Like, you know, his timing's off, you know, the report the receiver is clearly off. You know, it's tough with Amari, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom sitting a receiver that has a 27% team target market share, you know, wide receiver 12 there, right? Yep. You know, he is actually the wide receiver 12 on the season. He's wide receiver 19 and expected points per game. You know, he has five wide receiver one weeks and uh, an additional wide receiver two week. And unfortunately he does also have some real clunkers. You know, I think he was our snoozer back in week four in the Atlanta game actually. Uh, and you know, he has a couple other games under 10 uh, PPR you know, four all in all in the season, but these Cleveland Cincinnati games, man, these are some of the weirdest matchups. Like if you think back through the years, Cleveland late season, Cleveland Cincinnati games have totally <laughs> swung slates. They have totally impacted fantasy championships. Like all bets are off when the Browns and the Bengals play, like it could be six to three and it could be 51 to 48 in overtime. So you know, you just don't really know what's going to happen. You know the Bengals are going to be able to score. And you know it's going to, you know, unless unless Nick Chubb really gets control of this game, the Browns are going to get pushed off of their ideal game plan. And we're going to see just how good Deshaun Watson can get and how quickly. And, you know, if that happens, you got to think he's going to hone in on on Cooper. I, I, you know, that that's a very long-winded but impassioned Browns perspective on why I don't think you can sit Amari unless you're just blessed with, you know, uncommon depth at the wide receiver position. Yeah, no, you you can't. It was just kind of more a fun question for me to ask here. Amari, especially if I you appreciate look- it, man. You just you just gave me that big beach ball. You know, it's it's nice to get on a Thursday night. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, if you look in the GLSP, this actually should be a pretty good week for Amari. Um, you know, of course you know, there's hey, this- listen. 
again, it's the second matchup of the season for these two teams. What did Amari do against the Bengals last time, Dave? Sometimes it's just that simple. Five, 131, and one for 22.1 PPR. That was with Jacoby Brissett. And who so, knows if he gets lucky, maybe they, Jacoby gets back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not bet on that. Uh, I, 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 for what the Browns paid for Deshaun Watson, he, yeah. he could be worse than Russell Wilson for a longer period of time yeah. and still be the starter. You That's know what actually is too bad <laughs> that um, it didn't happen a little bit sooner uh, Deshaun getting back and then a team becoming quarterback needy because I think Brissett maybe could have gotten a job elsewhere this year, you know, from one of these teams in need. I would have liked to have seen him have a chance to finish out the season playing. Uh, regardless, though, there's another team that I want to talk about here. I want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, one of the interesting things, Curtis, if you look at the alignments that they run their wide receivers out of, the highest slot percentage comes from Sky Moore, who is in the slot on 67% of his passing snaps. Uh, since week six, he's been in on 160. But you have Juju at 57. You have Marcus Valdez-Scantling at a 49. Um, you have Justin Watson at a 53. McCall Hardman at a 56. So they're pretty much using all of their wide receivers in the slot, somewhere between 50 to 60% of the time, and then giving that wide receiver a pretty even split between the left and the right side of the field when lined up out wide. As a result, I would expect Scantling, probably Juju, Nicole Hardman, maybe Justin Watson to all see some coverage from a mixture of guys like Bassey, Mathis, and Patrick Sertan. Now, Mathis is allowing 6.0 points per game on direct targets. Sertan is at just 5.7. You have Bassey at just 2.3. I mean, if you look at this entire secondary, Kawan Williams at just 2.4, they even have linebackers getting involved to some degree who have been fairly solid this year. So this is a matchup that does not set up very favorably for Kansas City's wide receivers. Juju is in a range that's okay, but you have MVS down at a point where you're really going to need to think about if he makes sense to actually pop in and maybe look for for players elsewhere. So, you know, I was hoping that maybe in this game against the Broncos, I could call out MVS or Hardman as guys that would be easy, yeah. you know, palatable options to pop in. But based upon the matchups, I'm not sure that you're not going to have better options elsewhere. Kadarius Tony would get a rating of a 40, so he and Juju would be the better options this week. Yeah, Tony, I think it's I don't know if he's playing though. Yeah, yeah, he he looks also like he's trending towards uh, being out. You know, again. Um. So yeah, I I think I agree with all of that. I I don't think that I'd start any Chiefs wide receiver not named um, Juju this week. And Juju honestly might not even be a, a given, right? I mean, it sucks. No, because, but I mean, I, he's the yeah. only one that I'd like consider. You know, right? Like, uh, he and he's not like he's not making it into my wide receiver one or wide receiver two slot. Right. He's he's like making the short list of players I'm going to deliberate about for for flex purposes, but. Those other guys, I'm you know probably not considering. Sure. So I'm going to quickly talk through some tight ends. Uh, don't really have much deep analysis to run through right now. But Cade Auden, the tight end for the Buccaneers, with a matchup rating of 60 this week, the highest for all tight ends 
in the Buccaneers matchup with San Francisco. Certainly a player that you could turn to if you are in need of some points from the tight end spot there. Uh, He is a name that you can consider as I continue going down the ratings. You have TJ Hawkinson with the second highest rating of the week facing his former team, followed by Greg Delsich, Austin Hooper, who we talked about earlier, Mark Andrews and Isaiah likely this is a favorable matchup for, of course, we have the Tyler Huntley situation, Uh, Tyler Conklin and Hunter Henry, other guys that you could look to here uh, if you need to get somebody to fill in. There aren't any absolutely awful ratings this week. You do have Dalton Schultz with a 38, Jake Ferguson with a 31. And then for the first time in a long while, we see a low score for David Njoku. Uh, Dawson Knox gets a 38. So I wouldn't say, though, that there's any tight ends that you've probably been playing who maybe like are like borderline starts that you'd want to hold out this week, given a really atrocious uh, matchup rating. Um, I've got a name. So what about, you know, what about Isaiah likely, you know, can, can yep. uh, contextually, uh, you know, the Ravens still have the massive issue at the wide receiver position. And then now we go to Huntley, um, you know, likely did post four receptions for 30 yards uh, last week, you know, in a PPR. I, I mean, it's, that's a little bit tough to get excited about in a regular PPR league. But, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're fighting a buy or an injury on FFPC with the tight end premium, a little bit more exciting. Um, would you consider, you know, somebody like that, you know, a little bit further down the list if you had to stream? So here's an interesting thing, Curtis, right? Isaiah likely is in the tight end alignment only 30% of the time. He actually runs out of the slot yeah, 65% of the time. And uh, this works out decently because if you look at some of the corners that have to cover the slot for the Steelers and then some of the 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 um, the safeties that have to drop down, there are points to be had there. I mean, Arthur Mollett's at 7.2 per game on direct targets. You'll have some Levi Wallace dropping down to help out as well as Terrell Edmonds who are around, uh, you know, nine and seven points per game surrendered. Uh, largely covering the slot. Now, those aren't like off the charts numbers, but if we're looking for a tight end that can get into some receiver spots here, some receiver alignments against teams that aren't great at covering wide receivers or tight ends for that matter, Steelers are one of those teams you could look toward. So if you are in dire straits looking for a fill in there, I actually think that likely is someone that enters the conversation this week without a team context here to consider and it's a little bit hard to opine on uh but among tight ends you know he's he's certainly a name you can look at all right man yeah i i like it just wanted to provide people with a name since it's such a uh a a tough position um to to find you know the hardest value yeah the hardest sorry to cut you off there but i think one of the hardest things this year is or well any i mean at this time of the year is knowing for the people that are listeners out there, like what is the caliber of player that they're looking at? Like, you know, we have some teams in the playoffs where they're looking for maybe a higher caliber off their bench. Some teams are in need of a waiver wire play point being, we will welcome any questions over the next couple of weeks. Cause I'd rather than us just try to pick out spots that we think might be helpful. Uh, 
you know, answer maybe a couple more specific questions because there's odds are that there's other listeners out there with, with, you know, similar situations. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we expect that there are plenty of Rotoviz subscribers and Rotoviz fantasy football podcast listeners that are also playing for big stakes this weekend for any of you that are in your FFPC main event or football players championship uh, league championship games. Best of luck to you. All the positive vibes, positive juju, what have you. We are sending your way. If you're playing in your casual league or your dynasty league, or you need that extra couple points in your best ball league, man, we are just pulling for you. And we want to hear about those results, man. If you, you make it through, you have some crazy win, you want to celebrate, you can let us know about that too. Just at me on Twitter at CPatrickNFL or Dave uh, at DaveCabinFF. Man, we'll be the first one to throw you a fist bump um, or, or a trophy symbol. Um, so, yeah, best of luck this weekend, and we will cut it up in week 15. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com